Garrett Wynn Davies is a Welsh Canadian actor who has starred in numerous plays, movies, and television shows since his debut in 1977. We met Mr. Davies in September of 2023 and completely lost our minds. After we came to, we had one goal in mind watch everything he has ever been in so that next time we're ready. How has this man made a career out of making out on screen? Will this be enough to help us make it through the next meeting still conscious? This isn't a podcast, it's an inoculation. Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Meg, and this is Gare Can Get It. Today's episode, Naked Macbeth. <laughs> if they gave awards for makeouts on screen or stage, this guy would get a lifetime achievement. He'll find any excuse to get right to second face. You honestly wouldn't believe it. Dissecting each and every kiss with tongue. There's only one conclusion to come to say. No, no, no. Implied naked Macbeth. <laughs> the the hope for naked Macbeth. Yes. Yeah. We'll be discussing Slings and Arrows season two. All of it. <laughs> All there's of what, it. six episodes? Yeah, there's six episodes. I think he's in five of them. Yeah, I think he's in every episode except for the very first one. Yeah. And the very first one is just everyone going, oh my God, the Gare character is coming. Oh my God, we have he's going to be at our festival. <laughs> no, no, we have to say his name. <laughs> Henry Breedlove. No notes. <laughs> no notes. It's like the perfect. Okay. So to take uh, like several steps back. So Slings and Arrows was a Canadian TV series that aired from I think like 2004-ish through like 2007. So this is 2006. This is season number two. Each season is pretty much its own little like self-contained arc. So I feel like you don't actually need to have seen season one to watch season two or season two to watch season three. They're all just kind of like each season is this theater festival in a town called New Burbage, which is obviously just Stratford by another name. <laughs> um, and like each season is, is they're putting on a different play. All you really need to know, I feel like before you come into season two, is that there is a character called Oliver Wells and he's a ghost. And the main character, Jeffrey Tennant, who is the new um, theater director, artist, I guess artistic director for the festival, is the only one that can see the ghost of Oliver Wells. Like, that's really all you need to know coming in. Everything else, I feel like, is pretty pretty much, like, pretty well explained, like, in, in the season itself. So um, this season, they are putting on Macbeth at the theater festival. Um, and the big draw is that they're going to be bringing in <laughs> esteemed Canadian Shakespearean actor Henry, Henry Breedlove. He's <laughs> <laughs> such a fucking perfect name for a Gare character. I love all the pictures when he's he's figuring out how he's going to stage it, and he's pulling out old newspaper photos, and they they actually found old photos of Gare and put them up instead of horrifically photoshopping them, <laughs> like in Frankie Drake. Like in Frankie Drake. Well, like. He's he is like esteemed Canadian Shakespearean theater actor. So like there's yeah. like those newspaper clippings exist, which um, later when we end up seeing inside um, his his dressing room, like all the walls are wallpapered with pictures of himself, which I love. <laughs> which he takes down and gently kisses. <laughs> <laughs> he does. I had forgotten that until you and I were rewatching it, and I was like, "What are you, what you doing there, Gary?" Yeah, he does. He does lay a gentle kiss upon a photo of himself <laughs> for reasons. Like, you're so handsome. <laughs> so the like the basic storyline of this season. 
there's I feel like there's two big ones. There's one, the festival is struggling um, financially. And so they um, they bring in the Mark McKinney character. So Mark McKinney actually does a lot of the writing on the show, which is kind of cool. He does the writing and then he plays um, the I don't remember what his actual job title. He's like the like the he's chief like the admin director, person. financial director yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. So he's struggling to get um to bring in more sponsors and bring in more money. And so he goes to a PR company where the head PR guy is run by is played by Colum Fior. Yeah. So I like again, every actor <laughs> in this whole in this whole show is just like old Stratford guys and or like Gare's best buddies. So I fucking I just love it. So um, they have a, so that's one of the storylines where they're trying to get money. They, um, they have Colin Fior. Colin Fior has this like insane, really awful ad campaign where all the ads are just like, if you're, if you're dying and you suck, you should come and <laughs> if see. If you like this theater company, fuck you. Yeah. You're an idiot. You're a moron. Yeah. Um, which actually ends up being successful at the end. And a bunch of young people are like, oh, like <laughs> these are bullshit reverse psychology ads. Like, okay, I'll come in. Yeah. So. Um, that's, that's like the one, oh, and it turns out that Colin Fiore's character is just a giant scam artist this whole time. So like, that's like, that's like the smaller thing. And then the, the main plot is, um, Jeffrey Tennant. So is, uh, played by Paul Gross, the main, the main character, the main artistic, um, theater director is trying to put on Macbeth and he's trying to put on like his own version, put his own spin on it. But because he's new to being the theater director, everyone wants him to do it the way that Oliver, so the guy that's now a ghost, the way that Oliver would have done it. Um, and the Henry Breedlove character only really agrees to be part of the play because he's like, oh, you're going to do it. You're just going to be reading Oliver's notes. You're going to do it the Oliver way. That's the way that I want to do it. I've played this character three times before. Like there, it's a big, um, it's a, I feel like the, the main thrust of the whole season is just people who are like, this is theater is a job. Theater is a business. Like, let's just do it and get it done and like be over with it. And like, I did it this way seven years ago. Like, let me just do it again this way. Cause it worked yeah. and was fine. Versus Jeffrey Tennant, who is portrayed, I think, as like the the one who actually cares about theater and like what theater means. And I want to have an impact on the audience and I want us to explore what these characters are thinking and what they're feeling. And like he wants to actually delve into the text and find something new and find something um, truthful to try and present to the audience. So like I feel like that's the main thrust of the conflict. Um, so... I fucking I I love this more than Forever Night. Like I don't like I can't like I love Forever Night. Obviously, I think Forever Night yeah. is good, but this feels like the truest the truest Gare performance that we've seen thus far. In yeah, our, that's fair. Because he's he's basically playing like a giant blown up caricatured version of himself. Yeah. So he he when you when we first see him, um, he's coming to I guess like the first like reading of the of the play. Like they're all, yeah. all the actors are like sitting in a room and they're just supposed to do like a table a reading. Table reading. Yeah. Um and Gare. <laughs> Oh, my God. The whole time he's doing his, like, bemused eyebrow face. And I was like, check, yes. mark it off the list. <laughs> and then before they start, he's like, um, can I actually just just do, like, a recitation of the the dagger the dagger speech from Macbeth? Because, like, that's just, like, a thing I do to get ready, you guys. Like, can I just, can I just like, perform for you and, like, just ham up the whole fucking room because I need to? And everyone's like, oh, okay, I guess. Right. I, mean, I mean, you're gear, so, like, sure. So, like, what I, what I love, though, is, like, the character is – is obviously designed to be like a giant ham and he thinks he's smarter than everybody else and he thinks that his way is the only way and his way is the only right way um, and he is not afraid of like trying to be sort of devious and like turn like all the other characters to his way of thinking and yeah because um, he like it has to be my way like because I'm I'm the only one but at the same time they don't ever insinuate that he's not actually an amazing fucking actor yeah like he like Just he has he's stagnant yeah yeah. yeah. 
but and he ha- oppositional. Yeah. But he has all this confidence because he is that good and he's been that good for a long time. And so, like, he's he's built it up, um, like, rightly, I guess, in a yeah. way. So, um, so anyway, so they they have him be, like, a giant ham. And, like, the whole season is just him, like, uh, choosing to ignore Jeffrey. And then we get... It's I know best. It's I know best. Yeah. So he actually gets fired from the role at one point because Jeffrey's like, I can't. I can't even fucking deal with you. Um and then they they end up like <laughs> they end up like realizing that they need to bring him back because the actor that they've like the understudy that they had to play Macbeth just like was only really able to handle it for one performance and only because his emotional terror at playing <laughs> Macbeth like like <laughs> carried him through and uh like saved that actor's marriage which i think is kind of a funny subplot <laughs> but so so like even so even um when he gets fired, another actor is like, well, let's let's go and like watch the play and see if um, if Jeffrey's directions and Jeffrey's ideas, which are different than yours, like see if those have any merit, if they're any good. And if they suck, then you can sit there and gloat and like rub your hands and be like, yes, yeah. I'm right. And they so they watch it. Um, they they realize it's a like Jeffrey. Jeffrey, he does have merit. Like the the vision of the play that he has is a good one and it's a worthy one. And it's one that like that Garrett's character should be excited and happy to be part of and so the other actors like just suck it up man just like go over there and say you were wrong and apologize and beg to be let back in the play and so i love that there's like like 12 seconds where gear's character has any kind of introspection (laughs) Introspection, yeah Yeah. any kind of like um realization that like some other perspective might uh might be valid but then when he shows up to see the jeffrey tennant character jeffrey tennant has been convinced by his on again, off again, girlfriend played by Paul Gross's real life wife, uh, Martha Burns, which I, I fucking I love. I love real life husband and wives playing boyfriends and girlfriend. I don't know why that just <laughs> I love it so tumultuous much. Ones. Especially tumultuous yeah. ones where they like scream at each other and throw each other around. Like I don't. I don't know why I like that so much. But um, so she has basically begged him to go and beg the Gare character to come back, and so both of them. Both of them are like approaching each other, like each of us is gonna be begging the other one to like have this collaboration happen again. But the second Gare's character realizes that someone is going to beg him to be in the play, he immediately switches back to, oh, like you want me? Well, you better be on bended knee. Yeah, you better know who I am. Yeah. You didn't give me the respect I deserve. Yes. yes. Not even yeah, not even just apologize. Give me the respect that I deserve. Like, do you um, you need to you need to admit to me that you are um, inexperienced and that I have the most experience and that my way is the only correct way and like I am God and I fucking I was just like I love it I love <laughs> I love what a giant ham this character is so um, he so he doesn't so he we have his character thinking he's the only one that's right getting fired for his arrogance um, being brought back in like on bended knee and then in the final performance the only way that the Jeffrey character is going to be able to get the Gare character to perform the play the way that um, that Jeffrey wants him to is by <laughs> enlisting every other actor in the play to secretly force to him. secretly force him to. So they like move <laughs> a bunch of like sets around. They block off a bunch of entrances. They like physically like they move him around the stage like like a caged tiger. <laughs> like they're just they're just like pushing him in different directions. And he gets uh he this is my it's like my favorite episode I've ever seen in anything he's been in. I love it. So I've watched it like 15 times. Because <laughs> he just gets angrier and angrier that like 
that he's being forced to do something in a way that he doesn't want to do it. So they, um, he's just like pacing behind the stage and he's like kicking, kicking sets and like screaming and swearing. And then the, <laughs> this is my favorite. So the, the main, the main change that, well, there are two main changes that um, the Gare character disagrees with Jeffrey about. One of them is that in the scene where Banquo's ghost comes in, I guess sometimes some um, theater troops, I guess, will play it as will play it with an empty chair and they'll have Macbeth like just talk and scream at an empty chair. And sometimes they'll have an actor who is dressed like I guess they'll have the Banquo actor come in and like sit in the chair and just kind of like sit there silently and be bloody and be the ghost and they'll have the Macbeth character talk to that. So um the Oliver Wells slash Henry Breedlove version would have had a physical like a human being sitting there and playing the ghost. And um Jeffrey is like, it's it's like goofy to have someone sit there and be all bloody and be the ghost. Like it's much more effective and scary to have an empty chair. To have an empty chair. And he knows that because the entire time like this entire season, he is screaming at Oliver Wells and no one else can see that because the Oliver is a ghost character. So everyone else is just horrified that they're watching this guy lose his mind in real time in front of them. And he's like, Oh yeah, that's actually that's what I'm doing. <laughs> my me losing yeah. my mind is actually an effective way of um communicating with an audience. So like that's the the first change that they want to make. And the second Second, <laughs> more delicious change, is that the, um, Jeffrey wants to have he wants to humanize the Macbeth character, and the way that he wants to do this is by having Lady Macbeth stripped, <laughs> stripped down. <laughs> I gotta focus. Stripped down the uh, stripped down Macbeth on stage, like um, like wash his wash the blood off of his face and body, and um, that like that seeing him like seeing him in his nakedness will remind the audience that this is not like a greater than life monster, that it's just a human man. And as we have established from everything that he's been in, Gare don't do nakedness. No, Gare don't do even the suggestion of (laughs) nakedness. He don't do the, no, not even shirtless. No. Nothing. (laughs) No, it has to be shirt and vest and then second vest and then scarf and then jacket. Yes. And then balaclava (laughs) and then... (laughs) And then parka. Yeah. So... um. Yeah, I I kind of love that it's like it's not even just that like this character doesn't want to be naked. It's like no, like this this appears to be an actual thing. Like he will not. <laughs> none of us are prepared. For <laughs> this whatever. feels like a commentary slightly. Yes, on his yes, yes, yes. I know no, you character. cannot undress me. <laughs> no, I will quit before I let you undress yeah. me. So um, during this final performance, they're like they're like pushing him around the stage, and he's just like growling and roaring and whatever. They get him. They get him to the scene of the nakedness, and you see the Lady Macbeth character. Like she's starting to unbutton his his little shirt and and. Garrett, like the panic on his face, <laughs> it's probably it's, real. It felt, yeah, it felt real because they're doing it like the, this is the performance. This is like live on stage, so this character is just is like I can't stop this. So, um, he keeps trying to like grab her hands and trying to kiss her, and I was like, that feels accurate and correct. And then <laughs> she she gets on her knees and she pulls his pants down, and you can see Gary's whispering at her, or the Henry Breedlove character is like. I'm not, I'm not prepared for this. I can't, I'm not prepared. Like, look into my eyes. Look what I am not prepared means. And what I'm not prepared means is he's not wearing, like, boxer shorts or underwear or anything. It's just just freeballing it. So she pulls his pants down on stage, not expecting to see full frontal. And uh, she gets full frontal. And they they cut this. So I love how they cut this. Because they immediately, so they go from his panicky face to her, oh, my God, you're not wearing underwear face. And then they cut to the audience reactions. And so... Um, Based on the the really terrible, weird um, PR campaign, you have a, all of a sudden there's a lot of young people in the audience instead of the normal like older subscribers to the the new Burbage Festival. So the audience is full of young people, 
Um, and uh, the Minister for Culture, because they had to also borrow money from the government to help the festival even just like keep keep running this year. So you have this important government lady. Um, you've got a bunch of young people. And then also in this season, they have a lot of interns helping them, um, helping them like just do admin stuff around around the festival. So you've got um, interns and, who are stoned out of their minds. You've got the young people and you've got the <laughs> Minister of Culture. And every single person in the audience that they show isn't just making a like, oh, I didn't expect nudity face. Every single one of them is like, oh, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I am not mad at this. Yes, yes. Every single person in the audience is making the like, wow, what a great dick face. And I was just like, good job. Good. <laughs> I am engaged. <laughs> I'm engaged with this. So then they have him like, they go back to him being mortified. They have him shuffle off the stage. Um, in <laughs> they put him in a bathrobe with like little black socks, which I don't know why that made this all feel like very real to me. So it's just him getting like angrier and angrier the entire time, and nakeder and nakeder. And like I feel like most of the stuff that you see Gary in, he doesn't swear very much. Yeah, or it's maybe it's like it's he like tends to be yeah. goofy. This was not a goofy character. No, this was a feral character. Yeah, very full of himself, very pompous, very toxic character. Yeah, he does not. Every once in a great while, he will play a toxic character. But usually it's like, I am a good guy in a toxic situation. Yeah, that's true. This guy yeah. is just kind of a pompous jerk. But I feel like the way that he plays it, and like maybe maybe I'm I'm biased, but like I feel like the way that he plays it is still super charming. Like you can see like um, at the end of – I feel like at the end of almost every single episode – they they cut to the local bar where all the actors um, are, and he always has like like every single other actor around him, and he's like in the middle of holding like holding court. He's holding court, yeah, and yeah. telling um, like some super super charming anecdote about like meeting the Pope and like meeting other famous people and like uh, like working with other famous actors and like just just I don't know. He just seems like the kind of like the radiant sun that like everyone just like goes to, which is maybe why he is. It, like it adds to his overall like pompous self confidence because everyone yeah. loves me and I'm fucking great. Um, so yeah, I I I don't know. I just I I really I lost my train of thought there after the the dick. Yeah, scenes. he gets a lot of fuck you. He gets yes, a lot swearing, of cussing. Yeah. yeah, which I I kind of love. He gets a lot of being an asshole, like making yeah. weird hand gestures when the <laughs> other guy's talking to yeah. Well, he undermine does, yeah. him. I mean, he does his his patented uh, bemused. Everyone's kind of dumber than me face, which I and fucking the, love. Like, throw your hands up. Yeah. Uh, well, he's a hand actor, like his, you said. Uh, yeah. Hands. Um, and then he the way <laughs> I love how they. There's nothing to suggest that, like, he is sexually interested in the actress who plays Lady Macbeth, um, who, again, in in this, in, is the real-life wife of the Jeffrey Tennant character, or Jeffrey Tennant's actor. But in this, like, they're also, like, boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, so there's nothing to suggest that, like, he wants her, but, like, also he can't keep his hands off of her <laughs> because it's it's a gear roll. And so he has to, like, when he's talking to her, he has to, like, put his arms around her Get and, her like, face. spider his fingers all around her and, like, give her a little neck massage. Yeah, and I was yeah like, he gives her a back rub. Yeah, he can't. He can't not be. I mean, tiger's good at tiger, I guess. Like you can't. <laughs> it just oozes out it, the edges. <laughs> you can't it. I just yeah. So I I love that it's just it like hits all of the like all of the truest characteristics. Like I want you to be playing a version of yourself who is a Shakespearean actor who can't keep his hands and lips off of everybody. Um, who is like is pompous and like is too much but like act but is also charming and totally earned like it. deserves it. He's earned it. You feel like it. at one point in his life he earned it and yeah. now he's coasting on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it just feels like it's it goes back to like what I think the overall conflict of the season is, which is like I have a I have 
one guy, the Jeffrey Tennant guy is always the one guy who wants to interact anew with every Shakespeare text that he is doing every season. Like he wants to find like the the heart of it. He wants to find the truth of it. He wants all the actors to be doing all of this like extra mental legwork to bring all this out and find something new and exciting and and deep. And everyone else is just like, this is a fucking job and we only have so much time. And it's like, Macbeth. We've done Macbeth let's just Let's just do it. Yeah. Um, so... I I would recommend watching this. Like I I really really liked I really liked this season. Um there's like the subplots are fine and the early 2000s fashion is something Stunning. to behold. Although I will say I I do like they did a good job I feel like of dressing Gare. They threw him I feel like it's if you close your eyes and were like uh middle-aged pompous theater actor the year 2004 go. I feel like that's yeah. the outfit that you get. So you get the turtlenecks. You get the um, the corduroy jacket. Scarf. You get the scarf. You get the corduroy jacket with the elbow patches on it. Um, yeah, Blonde, I don't know. It's perfect. Tan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just you get yeah you get like pompous ass, and I just I fucking love it. But everyone else, it just it feels very of the moment. It feels very like two thousand four, where you're just like, why is everything cut just wrong? Why is everyone why is everyone <laughs> so all, fucking it's ugly? It's either really tight or really loose, and there's no in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is sort of like, oh, I forgot that that was, I forgot like that we all dressed ourselves like we were blind for like a period of like six years. <laughs> and everyone's okay. hair is really thin looking and chunky. Yeah. Except for um, Jeffrey Tennant. I like how they're like, how can we express physically his madness? And what they ended up with <laughs> was like, what if Paul Gross just like grows his hair a little, like just long enough that's like slightly too long. And we use all of the hair gel in the back and we just stick it straight fucking in the air. Yeah. Not like on purpose <laughs> hair gel, but like I just rolled out of bed 12 seconds yeah, ago. Hair I've gel. been bathing in the sink. Yeah. 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 I think my favorite character arc is the older actor who plays Gare's friend, Brian. Oh, uh, Brian Cabot, yeah. Yeah, because he starts out an asshole, and by the end of it, he's he's an asshole who isn't an asshole just to be an asshole. He's like, okay, this guy has a point. Have you even tried doing it his yeah. way? He's the only one, I feel like, that actually believes in the Jeffrey Tennant character. Like I, I was trying. We were talking earlier. I was trying to remember he's how he's willing to listen. He's willing to listen. Yeah, because yeah. I couldn't remember how the Jeffrey Tennant character actually becomes. Um, I was gonna say ensconced. That's not the right word. Like how how the Jeffrey Tennant character go comes back to the festival, like to yeah. start season one, because the idea is that he had been an actor there like seven or eight years ago. He had a mental breakdown on stage. He was. Um, hospitalized in an asylum for like eight years he gets out and then he is running like some really small podunk um theater somewhere in toronto and that gets shut down for for lack of funding and then the oliver wells character dies and then uh they somehow i couldn't remember i couldn't remember how they picked jeffrey Tennant to come back i think oliver wells had kind of asked that he be his successor like oliver wells they'd had a close relationship before the mental breakdown. Yeah. And so I think if I remembered correctly, I think it was Oliver, like Oliver Wells' last wish was like, if I die in this job, which I very well might go and pick Jeffrey because he actually cares. Yeah. Um. So I think that's how he comes back. But like nobody else, like on the admin side, nobody else on the acting side, like nobody else seems to think that Jeffrey can do this um, or believe in him in any way. And they're just all, they're just looking at him like, you're the warm body that we need to like to just get this job done and yeah. and what we want from you is to just take Oliver's notes and just be Oliver. Oliver's dead, but like he did this job well for 20 years. He didn't give a shit. Like he just phoned it in. Can you just phone it in the way he phoned it in? Yeah. Um so I feel like that Brian the Brian Cabot character which that like a lot of the actors in this like 
they have like actors playing themselves. So I I don't know if Brian Cabot is like an actual. It feels like he might be like an actual guy. <laughs> he could be like an actual. It feels yeah. like a commentary on the actors that have been like they've been doing Shakespeare for so long. They've forgotten how yeah. to reinvent themselves. And it's just like, no, I'm Henry Breedlove. Yeah. Like, well, okay, we'll do it like care. this. No, I'm Henry Breedlove. Yeah. I've done this three times before. I know what I'm doing. So it feels like a commentary on that. And I think that he does a really good job making that commentary. Yeah. Both, both showing up as Gare and then as like, <laughs> what if I got lost in being who I am and in not being what I could, yeah. like in not being an actor? What if I were me, but worse? Yeah. <laughs> but like an asshole. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Let me dig deep. Let me dig, dig deep into my bag of tricks. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just keep remembering him kissing the picture of himself. I, just, I, fucking, I love like, it. Gently too. Just like cradling it and then bringing it to his lips and being like, you're so handsome. And then putting it back. I, I want to believe, like, I want to believe this is just a documentary so, so badly that they were just like, okay, you're going to be at the bar drinking and we're just going to have a camera guy. Don't even, yeah, don't, don't just worry. Just pretend he's if, not yeah, there. Yeah, if someone says Henry, just like look up because like that might be your name in this. We don't know. We'll figure it out in post. But like, just have a good time, man. Yeah. I want to know if he said a different line every time. Because every time they cut to the bar and it's him holding court, he gets like one line and then everybody laughs. Yeah. And I want to know if every time they did a take, he did a different line. I choose to believe he was telling actual stories that have happened yeah. to him in his actual and life. Because it, it's ridiculous stuff like, and then everybody said, why is the dog not crying? And then everybody laughs and it's, you don't get context yeah, for that yeah. line. There's no possible story. Although actually, why is the dog not crying? I yeah. mean, we've now seen three things he's been in that could have been. <laughs> he, does a lot of, he does a lot of smart dog acting. He does. He acts with dogs. <laughs> Probably because he's similar to a golden retriever. I don't know. He's got that like I could lick anybody energy, <laughs> <laughs> and he does. Like he does. that is that is one of my favorite things in this. It's like um, anytime they show uh, any of the Macbeth rehearsals, um, anytime that he's uh, in the like sitting in the audience while someone else is on stage doing rehearsals. Like anytime he is near any human person, he is immediately like trying to kiss them. Like the number yeah. of times they've shown. They showed him like like rehearsing for Macbeth, and he's trying to like lay his lips on um, on Lady Macbeth, and she's kind of like like not in this scene, man. And he's just like, nope, <laughs> this, is, like, this is what I bring. But how about now? I've done this three times before. I think I know what I'm supposed to kiss you. It's really interesting to see him take his like his generally affable character, which is sort of the undercurrent for most of his characters, and then see him use the same like affableness. But as him being a jerk about it, like there's yeah. that one rehearsal scene where he's like, I think I would actually move to this part of the stage. Like, I don't think I would go out on this because he, he, they build that thrust section of the stage. And he's like, I don't think I would go out there. I think I'd go downstage. So I'm just going to do that. OK, because I'm pretty sure that's what I would do. I'm not going to use the stupid yeah. thrust thing. Yeah. 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 No one. No one else could possibly understand anything no one else could possibly like know how to do it correctly other than right other than me and then he does the like please like he puts his hands together and he does his like <laughs> so obnoxious please yeah. face and it's this you've seen we've seen that face on him before in other things and yet in this context it's so smarmy and yeah. it's i think smarmy is the right word yeah i think smarmy is like is the whole vibe because it's charming but also a dickhead yeah and that's like that's what we're going for in this and he doesn't he doesn't even just like say like I I know the best direction for my character when you see him later at the bar with uh with the Lady Macbeth actress Ellen Fan the, her character's name is Ellen Fanshawe when you see them together he's like um 
you know, like, you know that everything Jeffrey is telling you in terms of direction is wrong, right? Like, he can't possibly light you where you are. Um, if he has you over here, then in the next scene when you have to be over there, you're going to have to be walking and everyone's going to look at your butt. And, like, I can't imagine people looking at someone's butt, so like, let's not do that. Like, <laughs> like just, just like, um, no one else could possibly know other than other than me. Like, you, you get that, right? Spider fingers. Yeah. <laughs> I like this so, so, so much. This is my favorite. I The number of times I've been bugging you to watch Slings and Arrows with me, like I just... <laughs> and like, I don't know that I would... I don't know that I would recommend seasons one and three. Like, admittedly, I watched this totally cockeyed backwards because I, I knew Gare was in season two, so I watched season two. And then I was like, oh, I really like this. Let me go back and watch season one so I understand, like, if there's more with the ghost and, like, how he becomes a ghost or whatever. Let me watch season three so I know what happens to all the characters afterwards. And I feel like... Season one and three, they shouldn't feel so different. I mean, like, the basic idea is the same. Like, we're at the theater festival. We're putting on a play. We're low on funds. Like, go. But season one and season three, for me, everyone just felt so much meaner. I mean, we talked about um, that you thought the Ellen character seemed really, really selfish and, and kind of mean. And, like, she absolutely is. Like, if you look at, like, what she's yeah. doing and who she's talking to. like And the some of the shenanigans yeah. she gets up to. Yes, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah Ben Carlson. I, I forgot to mention Ben Carlson pops up in, like, two episodes this season as the Ellen character's brother-in-law. Spoiler alert, she she has sex with him. Yeah. She can't help herself. She It's really funny to me. Like, so she is the real-life wife of the main character in, in this. And in every single season, she is just <laughs> she is just like fucking her way through the entire cast. <laughs> um, I do like I like that it's like the reverse of like what's normally the Gare character, which is like the the older guy going after the ingenue. For yeah. for her, she's in her forties probably. I think when she's playing this, maybe mid forties. Um, and they have her with like hot young twenty something guys, and then they have her fuck her brother in law, and then I think in the. So then they, they, you know, she's obviously with the Jeffrey Tennant character. So, like, they're together. And then she goes back to fucking some young guys. And I'm just like, she, like, good for you. Like, we never get that on television. Like, good no. for you. Good for you to be, like, the cougar character. Um, but, yeah. But, like, kind of, she's, like, kind of, like, if you just, like, neutrally wrote out the things she says and does this season, you'd be like, oh, she kind of sucks. Yeah. But watching it, like, I don't think she's a hateable character. I think, I think she seems just more, like... She's supposed to feel mercurial. Yeah. Yeah. She feels just like a like a real person. Like she's not good with money. There's like an IRS. Oh, not IRS. It's um, Revenue Canada, but the Canadian version of IRS. There's a subplot where she's having a hard time with money. Um, and she she like understands that like the Henry Breedlove actor, like he's going to be a big draw and bring people in. And doing Macbeth is going to help bring people into the festival. And she's always wanted to play Lady Macbeth. So she kind of guilts Jeffrey into agreeing to put on Macbeth in the first place. But like you understand like – there's reasons for behind what she's doing and you don't think, oh, she's just like terrible and sitting in a corner like rubbing her hands. But when you watch season one and season three, I feel like you're just like, God, you are a lot. Like you're fucking the worst. Like you're just – you only – you're so myopic. You can only think about yourself and like how everything like affects you and why why am I not the center of everyone else's attention. And everyone just seems like extra mean and extra sharp in seasons one and three that I feel like you don't get in season two when it's just like isn't Gare funny isn't he like a smarmy asshole like oh he's gonna ruin stuff is he I don't know like it's just it feels like yeah gentler even though like the characters are still like not they're not like nice people but you don't you don't think like um like watching you is tiring for me when I watched seasons one and three I was like I'm I'm tired. I'm tired of all this like this petty meanness and like weird sniping and spitefulness like for everything else. I feel like season two is really light. So 
I'm not saying don't watch like seasons one and three, like they're fine. Like they're, they're good. But I feel like I didn't get as much like personal enjoyment as I did out of season two. And that's, that's regardless of the fact that it's like, it's Gare playing that character. Like I think yeah. he does a good job. I really, I, I obviously I like him. That's why we have Gare can get it as a podcast. <laughs> Spoiler alert. But I mean, like if it were some other actor just playing like the smarmy character, I think it would still be like an enjoyable, a still, still a more enjoyable season than one and three, just because overall, He's he's like the worst character, and the worst thing about him is that he's smarmy. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know that he's like stubborn. Yeah. Yeah. Although seeing him in the final episode having to deliver lines and walk on the stage with his pants <laughs> around his ankles, around his ankles, is um is gratifying. Like it's gratifying right? for the whole rest. You're like, okay, I get to see all of these characters succeed despite the things that happened. Yeah. And yes, he has to be forced into succeeding. Because even when he gets back in the play, Brian is like, don't let that guy fuck it up. Like, he's going to do it the way he yeah. thinks it should be done. And the way you're trying to do it, I like. So do what you have to do because the play is the thing. So the, it's hysterical that they literally have to, like, cattle prod him yeah. around. Like, yeah. He goes, there's a wall there. And he's like, yeah, I know. He's like, this is where I enter. He's like. Not anymore. He's like, not unless you have a chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> so then he has to go in another way. And. That I, I feel like the payoff makes all of it, all of the yes. pettiness feel worth it. Yeah. I don't know if I watched a season where we didn't get the payoff, if I would enjoy it. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, if it were just like they're all fighting each other and at the end they keep fighting each other and then the play yeah. is not is not good or like funny or – yeah, there's like – it's cathartic. Like you get that yeah. release. And I like that for the Gare character, he's just kind of like – he ramps up the entire season. Like each episode he's like slightly more – He's slightly more on screen and he's slightly more um, obvious about his pettiness. Yeah. Um, and then in the very last episode, so when he he gets on stage and it's revealed to him that they're all basically conspiring against him and they've moved things around and they're basically going to force him into certain positions and they're going to force him to play the character a certain way that he's not used to and they're going to make him do the whole thing in a flop sweat. Um, I like that he <laughs> – I don't think I've ever seen – Gare play like a like a mindless raging animal before, <laughs> and that is definitely like at one point the Jeffrey Tennant um, calls him what an ape, right? Like a yeah, the yeah. ape like storming around in the wings over there because yeah. he's like pacing back and forth and gesturing wildly, yeah, and, and punching yeah. the and punching some of the sets, which I love. So I love him like getting like more and more and more amped up. Um, and just like angrier and like full of rage because like him him as a sputtering maniac is the funniest thing to me because I feel like we don't we don't get to see he's always blind rage like yes. he's yeah yeah him in a him in a blind screaming rage semi naked on stage is like is like <laughs> <laughs> I want more of I want more of that character because it's like it feels very true uh, not the blind rage but like I feel like the I feel like the like. I'm the I'm the um, world's most amazing Shakespearean actor. <laughs> Fucking love me. I feel like that. Like I love him as that, and him just being like crank and like moving it up to eleven and yeah. being like that, but losing my fucking mind. Yeah. And so and like again, so like the fact that it goes, it's not just like the blind rage, but it's the blind rage, and then him swearing, which I love, and then like screaming, and then him in a bathroom with little black socks, which I don't know how that like sells it for me, and him like <laughs> like marching off in the wrong direction and going fuck, like I just I fucking. I, I just I love it. I love how it just keeps like I feel like the whole the whole season was just like ramping up the tension, ramping up the tension. Like like is the whole theater festival going to shut down because we have no money and we have this PR company that is like crapping on the festival like on top of that. So 
We have no money. We've lost the money from the government. We gave it to the PR guys. No one's going to show up because they're all canceling their subscriptions because all of the billboards around town call them like fucking morons for showing up to the theater <laughs> festival. Um, like corpses who are who are on their last legs who are dying. And then we have Gare and he's not taking any fucking direction. And like, is Jeffrey going to even be able to put on the play? And then there's like a separate subplot where there's they're also putting on Romeo and Juliet with like the world's most obnoxious take all the air out of the room director who is like he's a he's a Canadian I think and in real life this guy is a, like also a director which I think is funny but like the character he plays is a director who was obnoxious a Canadian director who was obnoxious and then he went to Berlin to be reborn <laughs> and he comes back dressed like Euro trash <laughs> which I fucking which I love with like giant glasses and spiked up hair and like the 17 scarves and, and like belts a, and, and belts and like an oversized pinstripe yeah. jacket and he wants to do like an avant-garde version of Romeo and Juliet where everyone's dressed like chess pieces and so it's like is this is this play even going to going to happen is this play even going to be like effective like there's just like a rising level of panic I feel like throughout the whole season like, are we going to be able to put this together? Like, is this are, is this the last? Like, are we killing this fifty year old theater festival here yeah. now in real time? <laughs> so, like, to be able to get the like the end catharsis of like <laughs> Gare's implied dick and then him, <laughs> and him like screaming his head off. I'm just I was like, yes, <laughs> like yes. good. This feels worth it. This feels worth it to just be like, oh, release. Oh, so yeah. Um, Perhaps the tiny black socks do what the undressing <laughs> scene does in Macbeth, which is humanizing make Henry Breedlove human. Yeah, yeah, no, they they absolutely do. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that's exactly what it is. Is it just feels He's like a psychopath a, through the whole thing yeah. until they finally humanize him, which yeah. is by showing his weaknesses at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I I would one hundred percent. It's so short. It's six episodes. I think I I ended up buying this, but I know it's streaming for free. With commercials online somewhere, I know that I've seen that. Um, I I would recommend. I feel like this show. I'm sad that like I had no idea the show existed. It only lasted three seasons in like 2004. I had no idea that it that it even existed until I was going through the IMDb for Gare, and I was like, oh, what what's up with this? I I wish this show had gotten more love. Like Mark McKinney was one of the main writers on it. I feel like Mark McKinney doesn't get enough love for his for his writing skills. Um, he does a good job as the like panicky flopping around um, yes. admin guy. He's thought... slowly taken in by the con artist who is actually <laughs> who keeps quoting Nixon. At him. <laughs> he keeps quoting Nixon. Yeah, yeah. It's I do like. Yeah, I liked the slow the slow um, change in him where at the beginning he's like suspicious of the PR guy, and then the PR guy ends up like turning him into a version of himself. Yes. And, and then um, like throughout the series, and then or throughout the season, and then at the end realizing that this guy is a con artist and is like is in prison and just watching like the full-on mental breakdown that Mark McKinney's character has. Yes. Um I feel like Mark McKinney doesn't get the the appreciation and love that that he should. Like he's um he even gets to do like a little song in this. Like he gets to he um in like a, a sub sub subplot he wants to be like a musical theater actor so they have him do um a song from HMS Pinafore which I thought was just like amazing. The Admirals, the Admiral song I yeah. think. So I yeah, I just I feel like it's this whole show, this whole series is just showing a lot of love for like the hardworking theater actors and like giving them the the appreciation. So like I'm just sad that like this this gift to the theater community, like this winking nod, like I I wish it had um had lasted longer. I wish that it had more fans. I wish that more people like knew about it. Yeah. So if if this episode of the podcast gives it a little more love, then then I will feel um, super, super gratified. Yeah, I think it's a show about the inherent chaos of having a bureaucratic organization run by artists, which... Yeah, I mean, correct. Yeah, pretty is much. ...is a really nice breeding ground for a lot of interesting storylines. Yeah. So. Yeah, when do you... Like, I feel like we don't get a lot of the, like, 
backstage theater stuff on television. Like, I feel like we don't get, like, we don't have a lot of that. No, just some, to watch. just like high school level, like Glee or something, but not. Yeah, but not, not like I'm this where it's this like. I'm doing this as a job. Yeah. I've chosen to the, do this the as business a job, of, yeah. Which I think at one point he says the thing, the, the most important thing for any actor to have is a lack of ambition. <laughs> like, there's just a really, there's a lot of good so lines. So sassy, yeah. And there's a lot of, I have a feeling if you watch this several times, there's a lot of things that play into later like he's arguing with an empty chair and somebody's like you don't know how terrifying it is to see you argue with an empty chair and he's like okay great let's fire Banquo because the scariest thing is going to be arguing with an empty chair yeah and there's just a lot of things that happen early on that later come to fruition and it's interesting to see no absolutely like I feel like the writing on this was it was really sharp and really and really good I mean I guess my only complaint would be sometimes it feels like they have too many balls juggling in the air. Yeah. Like we've got the Romeo and Juliet play. We've got Macbeth. We've got the theater festival um, struggling with money, which um, that does kind of kind of come over from season one a little bit. Like that's they bring that up. Um, and then we've got the PR campaign, which is sort of related to them. I mean, it's related to the money issue, but it's also sort of its own like separate thing. plot going on. Yeah. So I feel like that's the one thing that's like. It's maybe a little unfocused in that way. Like, because the episodes are, are fairly short. They're well, not like. I think like, if we just had Henry Breedlove, it would have been exhausting. No, no, it would have yeah. been. But I'm just saying, like, there's so many subplots going on. And then there's, like, the Jeffrey Tennant, um, Ellen Fanshawe relationship um, subplot that's going on. Like, and yeah. then there's her, like, taxes going on. So I feel like I. You're right. If it were just, if, I mean, obviously, like, you and I would sit there and eat popcorn and watch the Henry Breedlove <laughs> Theater Hour. Yes. But I feel like for a normal person <laughs> who is not trained, <laughs> who is not a professional. It's not a professional. In the artist. Garrett yeah, Davies <laughs> TV watching experience. Yeah. That I, could be a bit much. I also think this gives us a chance to talk about how good Gare is at folding himself into an ensemble cast and still being Gare. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, he, he does that in pretty much anything he's in, with the possible exception of Deadly Harvest, where it's like he doesn't have to be the main character to be the one you're paying attention to. He does a real because he's in it relatively little. Yeah. He gets short little scenes where he which are intense, but are still short. But it ends up enhancing the overall ensemble rather than eclipsing the ensemble. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He I does mean, the same thing in Forever Night, where you don't just remember the Nick Knight character, you remember Skanky and all the other side characters too. Even though he actually gets more screen time than they do. Yeah. Well, and here it's it's the reverse of that, right? Like you said, there's like the he has um less screen time because he's not like he's not the main character. But you remember every single single interaction he has yeah. with everybody. He does play very well as part of a as part of like a team. Yeah. Yeah. He does really well when he has people to play off of. Yeah, which is yeah. which is another benefit of this being all like old Stratford Festival theater pros because they're all they're all they have that rhythm with each other. They they just kind of like immediately start swimming together again. Right. Um which which I love so much. Yeah, but you're right. He does he does immediately like um feel like part of this universe. Yeah. I and I don't know that like so in the first season there's like another there's another character who's like this kind of the same, like the equivalent of like the famous guy that is coming to the new Burbage Festival to be part of a play. And like he'll be the draw and he'll bring all the money in. Um, and I don't know that. So in that so for the first season, it's a guy who's supposed to be a young movie star. And I don't know that like. I like it doesn't it doesn't have the same um, 
He doesn't feel like as part of the universe the way that that Gare does. And maybe it's just because Gare is playing like, I'm a theater actor and I'm joining the other theater actors. And so we're part of the same world already. And like, here I go. Yeah. Whereas for the for the kid in the first season, he's famous movie star. And I want to get some cred. And the way I'm going to get cred is by playing Hamlet. And so I'm going to come to the famous theater festival and I'm going to play Hamlet. And then everyone will know that I'm a serious actor and not mm-hmm. just like a teeny bopper. So maybe like that's I mean, that's maybe on purpose, but it doesn't. He's not as integrated with everything. Um, it's just him and the Rachel McAdams character. Because uh, Rachel McAdams, before she became famous, she was in the first season and also episode one of season two um, when they kind of when they give her like a little farewell. Um, they, it's mostly just those two characters together and then sort of focusing on the the famous actor. Um, like just like focusing on him like as on, on his own as himself. Whereas in this season, it's Gare as part of the play. Gare as part yeah. of the theater community, like Gare as a disrupting force. Um, Gare is a, as a, you know, cowlick that won't lie down flat. Yeah. <laughs> no matter how much gel you put on Exactly. It. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it's more effective that way just because it's like, it just, it feels, it feels very realistic. Like the town feels like Stratford and the festival yeah. feels like Stratford. It feels lived in. If, yeah. It, yeah. It feels like they were writing from experience. Like this was, this was the real world that they had. And they just, they just crossed out Stratford and wrote New Burbage and went <laughs> wink. <laughs> Good job, guys. Gare, Good. scratch, Henry, breathe <laughs> I still cannot get over breed love. Like I just how <laughs> Henry fucking, breed love. How she perfect. calls him Hank at one point. Yeah. Well, just to you just know, to, just to fuck with him. Yeah, to bring him down to not. Yeah. You're not Henry. Yeah. Hank. I good. just I it loved was it. Good. It was really good. I had to do the thing where I watched the end because it got really tense, and I don't do tension. So we had to watch season. We had to watch episode six, and then go back and watch four and five, and it was still good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, I don't though, do. Uh, I I had to know where it was, where we were going. Yeah, <laughs> and well, I mean, and like that kind of goes back, I think, to like the only complaint because I have it was is, good. is that there because there was a lot of tension. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess that's like I said, that's the only like real complaint I have is that there are just so many subplots, some of which I'm like medium invested in, and some of which I was like, if you if you cut out like the like the tax issues, like, does it really? change anything i mean yes like i guess it cuts out ben carlson and like ben carlson making out on yeah. screen like thumbs up and you can't cut lionel train because then you wouldn't get to humanize the secretary yeah i <sighs> i think it's to give everybody a chance to yeah. be a full character well and the and the the secretary character she's she has a like a pretty large role in all the seasons i think if i remember right like she's a much bigger part than you would think for just being like oh she's kind of the main administrative assistant to the mark mckinney character like, just saying that, you'd be like, oh, is she just answering phones? But, like, she... Who refuses she, to get him coffee. Yeah. <laughs> well, but she... And she really feels like... She feels like the the unsung hero um, throughout the series to me. Like, she's the one that is actually... That she knows where all the paperwork is and she knows what has to be done. And she she is the one that's, like, uh, keeping all the balls in the air and running everything. Yeah, in in a group of artists. In a group of artists, yeah. yeah. Who are all just... It's like herding cats. So it feels like she's she's the one that's, like, making everything happen. Um, and so, like the the subplot with her and the and Lionel Train, the um, the playwright, feels just sort of like it. Yeah, it's meant to humanize her, but it also just feels sort of like cruel for no reason because they give her so much screen time, anyways. Like you couldn't have you couldn't have humanized her yeah, some other have given way. Her a happy, you could, yeah, like a happy thing. You could have done something else with her because then it just it adds in like, oh, now there's another place. Now we've got Romeo and Juliet, we've got Macbeth, and then this guy I think is supposed to be. 
um, like Stratford will will always have like a Canadian um, a Canadian playwright with like a new play, and so I think the idea is that like this is a new he's a Canadian playwright with a new play, and like that's that's yeah. his um, Stratford equivalent. But it just felt like here's a little cruel thing for no reason, and he's like extra neurotic um, and like changing the writing of his play like as they are about to perform it, and it's just sort of like you you are just like stressing me out and giving me tension and making me feel really bad. For yeah. the for Anna, the secretary character, for like w- why like because I I already felt bad for her because she was so put upon yeah so it's not like you needed to give me something extra um and like you you could have humanized her in some other way you could have told me her life story in some other way and I don't I don't even know that I need her life story because like I already I already feel bad for her and see like all the work that she's putting in to just make this festival happen and to help the like the admin guy who seems stupid and the theater guys who are ignoring her and like she already is like is the one trying to hurt all these cats so then to also be like this guy has sex with her and then steals her whole life story to put into a play it's like you're just like why why are you like that's the only thing that seems sort of that feels sort of like punishment to watch yeah you could have given her something happy that could have been fine yeah Happy or nothing. Like, yeah, happy or nothing. Yeah. He could have taken her story and it didn't have to be this weird, twisted, he made her talk about her life during sex because, like, knowing her humble characterness turned Ugh. him on. That was a... It was kind of gross. That was a lot. Oh, tell me about <laughs> the little people from Winkler, Manitoba. Like, oh, the, are, are they you, real? Are they, like, people? Are they, like, actual Ugh. people? Yeah, that was a little... Okay, can we yeah. go back to Gare? Can we go back to the jokes yeah. about Gare's dick now, please? Because this is a lot. Because <laughs> it's, I feel like I'm okay with it with us focusing on like the theater actors who don't give a shit and the theater actors who are smarmy and full of themselves because everyone wants to blow them. But then when we have the playwright that thinks everyone around him is an idiot and a moron and beneath him and simple and small and I will just pull from their lives and it won't matter because I am the only one who matters and I'm the only important person and like the art is above it all. Like it's it feels like okay, yeah. I'm I'm exhausted now. Like I like yeah. I like the Jeffrey let's interact with the art versus everyone else being like, it's a job and we did this and we don't care. Right. I don't like the playwright who is like not just like let's interact with the art, but like let's interact with the like let's create art and the art is more important than any human being and their feelings and like no one else matters but the art. Like that seems like that's too far. That's I, that's too far in the one direction, and it's it's uncomfortable and painful to watch because it's not just like I'm sort of a pain in the ass because I care about art. It's I'm a pain in the ass because I'm a fucking monster. Yeah, like that's I I don't know I like I said I just feel like I I you're right I like that there are some um, some subplots and there's more stuff going on because it gives all these different actors stuff to do, but I don't like that there are so many subplots, yeah, some of which are just fair. so extraneous that I'm like. You only had six episodes and each one is what, like 45 minutes. So like, yeah. let's get moving. And then it'll switch back to another subplot. And I'm like, wait, what's happening with the with her taxes and what's happening with the brother-in-law? And like, what's like, it's like just you're you're spinning my head a little bit. There's like so much going on. Um, but I still I still this is it's good. My like my favorite it's not thing. That good. It's yeah. good. Yeah. It's still, I think, my favorite thing that I've seen him in. Um, just cause it feels like, it feels like him, but cranked up to 11 <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and also, yeah, just like that final, that final episode where he's, he's prowling around like a caged jungle cat with his pants down around <laughs> his ankles. I'm just like, yes. And tiny little black socks. <laughs> <laughs> and tiny little black socks. And like I said, I just love that it wasn't just like, um, the audience is shocked by his nakedness. It's the audience is shocked and, uh, approving and of his odd. nakedness and Shock- odd, shocked, shocked and, and odd. odd. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, I think that's gratuitous. No, I thought it was fine. 
<laughs> yeah, the stone, the stone kids in the audience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I fucking love it. So in terms of in terms of like uh wet smoochy kisses uh out of ten, what would I give it? Honestly, like like a nine, like a nine, mm. nine and a half, uh sloppy wet kisses. Just cause just cause like I say, I think it hits so many of the characteristics. It feels like uh, it feels like he's having like the best time ever, just being, just like making fun of himself. Yeah. It feels like a caricature. Of himself. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm hoping he's into making fun of himself because otherwise this podcast is gonna, <laughs> it's gonna get it real dark. <laughs> but real nobody's bad. supposed to tell him, so it's fine. That's true. Yeah. Don't yeah. be a don't be a narc. <laughs> don't be a narc. But like, if you are an, a narc, I think I'm hoping that based on this performance and based on on how it seems very clearly a caricature of himself, which hopefully he knew. <laughs> Can you imagine having the lack of self-awareness to be like, oh my God, this Henry Breedlove character is so fucking yeah, pompous. Yeah, well then he so would obnoxious. be Henry Breedlove. You... And it wouldn't be a commentary. It would just be a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> this character is amazing. This guy is the star of the show, right? He yeah. is not getting yeah. the respect he deserves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. The, this season is called Henry Breedlove and Slings and Arrows. <laughs> correct. <laughs> so yeah, like, like nine and a half solid sloppy wet kisses mm. for just... Just like the quality of the performance, the um, the winking at the audience, the self knowingness, and the the hint, the close your eyes and think about it <laughs> of Naked Gear on stage, which still does not involve him taking his shirt off, just his pants. Well, they like they he's got a Henley shirt on under his, so they dress him. Yeah, so he gets a couple buttons, yeah. but it's still like yeah. she's supposed to be undressing him, but in order to make it so that the camera never actually sees <laughs> any of nakedness. his flesh, well, they do not take his shirt off. She just goes straight for removing. His that pants. is true. That is, I feel like if you were watching it. And you saw her because she's. In, you're right. Um, so he's dressed. They have Macbeth um, as in like modern fatigues, modern army fatigues. So he's got like a puffy camo vest, and under the camo vest is a Henley shirt. So it's got what like three little buttons, kind of. Yeah. And then, um, and then I, I don't know even know what kind of pants he's wearing. But he's wearing pants. I think he has a belt because doesn't she doesn't she pull she off his belt? His belt, yeah. So I feel like I do feel like it's effective, like watching it as the audience. Like the way that they film it, like it didn't seem it didn't seem weird to me. It's just she's starting to undress his buttons and then he knows what she's doing. So he grabs her hands and tries to kiss them like I'm going to redirect you. And then she's like, I've got a job to do. So then she falls to her knees and is like going to his his belt buckle. Yeah. But I feel like if you were in the audience and you were and the idea is that she is undressing him and you're just watching her do like two buttons and then give up and then go straight to his crotch. I'd be like, what? (laughs) What are you actually watching right now? What is (laughs) what is happening? Yeah. Um, but you're right. Yeah. Um, I will have to, we'll have to ask him why he's made the choice to be the horniest, sweatiest, never nude in yes, all of theater. Um, Somehow without ever actually being naked. Yeah. I'm going to give him four raised eyebrows out of five because he didn't actually make out with anybody. He gets close. He, he gets close. He gets but close he, with Lady Macbeth. Every time he gets close, he gets like denied. Like they, <laughs> they slip out yeah. of his, uh, it, it is grip. emotional blue balls. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he does get most of his usual um, ham it up act. Like he gets his like um, cutesy pleading face. The like, oh, come on. You know, you want to give it to me. He gets that even though it's used sort of maniacally. And he gets a couple of his other pretty like his raised eyebrow of like, I'm in on some kind of a joke yeah. that you're not in on. Even though, again, it's twisted into something slightly maniacal because it's like i'm actually making fun of this director oh yeah yeah but Instead i feel like that's of, how he always uses the amused face it's the sometimes it's I'm like above. i'm playing with the audience like i'm enjoying my time so much i'm playing with this role a little bit yeah, like that's fair i realize what i know what i know i'm only here because my kitchen needed 
<laughs> needed a new countertop. And I'm having a good time being here and earning this money, but I'm fully aware that I'm in outer limit space, baby. And so he does like, <laughs> yeah, here's that's, my that's raised true. eyebrow yeah. of like, it's almost like a um, a self-knowing yeah, I'm eyebrow. talking to the audience. You know why I'm here. And in this case, he's not necessarily talking to the audience. He's talking to the ensemble cast. He's yeah, with, his character in like is. a I'm making fun, directly making fun of a single other character. Yeah. Yeah. But he doesn't actually get to lay lips on anybody. That is that is true. Yeah, yeah that is that is the one. Um... The one denial of his <laughs> usual characteristics. <laughs> People pl- praise him ad nauseum. That is that is true. Yeah, we for- yeah. I forgot to mention that no, earlier. That's not fair. He kisses himself. <laughs> picture. He kisses <laughs> the picture of himself. He had, to, he had to kiss somebody, otherwise he you have Deadly like, Harvest. I can't do this. Yeah. Do you know what happened to Deadly Harvest when I was not allowed to make out with anybody? <laughs> yeah, I it mean, it ended like shit. <laughs> I have to do this. That is that is one hundred percent true, and I forgot. Yeah. I for, yeah, I forgot that they. It's not just like um, we're bringing in Henry Henry Breedlove, and he's a famous Shakespearean actor, and he's a draw. They really do. They really never shut up about how he is so goddamn he's just amazing. The best, like yeah. This can only be played by Henry Breedlove. Yeah, yeah. The ghost of Oliver. The ghost of Oliver is the one who originally wanted Henry to be part of Macbeth. And so that's what brings Henry in is that he's like, yeah, Oliver and I had had like a shared vision of like what this should be. Um, and so I want to do the Oliver version. But they anytime that uh, Jeffrey is talking to the ghost of Oliver, it's just like, oh, my God, Henry Breedlove. Like, what? why Henry Breedlove? Like, of course, Henry Breedlove. It had to be Henry Breedlove, yeah. like the greatest Shakespearean actor, a gift to humanity. Women want him. Men want to be. him. why wouldn't he be <laughs> like, why? If we, You know, however, however much money we have to throw at him, like he's he will save the festival because everyone will be throwing their panties on stage to see him. Oh, my yes. God. Henry Breedlove. Like, it's. It strikes me as you're right. Like it's it is one of the characteristics, but it's funny when you rewatch those scenes where Jeffrey's like, but like Oliver, like why this guy? It's just it, they don't they can't even answer it. Like Oliver's like fucking obviously like I, it's him. It's Garrett Wynn Davis. Are you kidding me? Like I, like of course. Like how is that even a question? Would you hate your head? Like it's <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love it. I just yeah, just I I thoroughly recommend this. Recommend the season. I mean, in terms of like sci-fi stuff, there's only there's only a ghost, but um, eh, if you can, all right. it's good. You can handle the rest of it. Just, ugh, just so fucking funny. Just so like so rewatchable, so enjoyable to rewatch over and over again. Just, just quality. Like good writing, horniness, mm-hmm. implied dick. Just thumbs up, <laughs> thumbs up. No notes. So again, uh, don't be a narc, anybody. Please don't tell him. <laughs> and on that note, until next time, friends. Bye. Bye. <laughs>